everybody. Welcome to Real Church for Real People. Are you glad to be in church today? Yeah, let me say a big hello to all of you who are joining us online at our online location. We're glad you're along for the ride. And then to our Hokesson Church family, love and appreciate you so much. Yeah, Newark, help me show some love to all of our locations. We are in the final week of a series that we've called Money, Sex, Power. If you're joining us for the first time, very glad that you're here. And we've been talking about how our approach to those three things, money, sex, and power, impacts our relationships for better or worse. And if you missed any of the first three installments of the series, I encourage you, you can find those on our YouTube channel and get caught up to speed with the series. It's the final week. So as we jump into that, how many of us are married? Can I just see all my married people in the room, all the married people represent? Come on, Hokesson, hands up in the room, online, hands up. Wave it like you just don't care. Just, all right, cool. Married people. How many single people or single again? Just show of hands, show of hands if you're in the room. If you're in the room, Hokesson again, hands up, hands up. If you're online, uh, type I'm single in the comments. You never know who might respond. <laughs> on that out there, just a little hack. Uh, okay, how many, <laughs> how many of us aren't married, but we would consider the possibility in the future? So like, I'm not married now, but I w- I'm open to it. You're not committing today. You're just saying, I'm open to it. How many of us aren't sure we ever want to be married? So we're not married, and we're like, I don't, I don't know if I, it's okay. Yeah, we're just like, and you're not, we're not holding you to it. Uh, somebody's clapping. I don't know what's going on there. It's like, <laughs> woohoo, so excited to never be married. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, you do you. And then... How many of us are married and we wish we weren't? Just don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Come on. You got to pay attention. Some of you are like, ooh. This could determine the quality of your day right there. So this last message of the series is about the kind of relationship in which money, sex, and power uh, tend to show up the most often, our romantic relationships. So there's a question that I think matters to all of us. Wherever we land with God, whether we're brand new to the church thing or we've been followers of Jesus for a long time, somewhere in between, and whatever our current relationship status, I think is a question that matters to us, and that is what are healthy romantic relationships supposed to look like? And where does this marriage thing fit into that? I mean, when it comes to marriage, why are so many single people uh, pursuing it? Why are so many married people struggling with it? And why are more and more people choosing love without it. I mean, what is it about this marriage thing? And maybe again, you're new to church and you are like Christians, man, I feel like have some crazy ideas about marriage and what is that all about? So we're going to talk about it today. And again, whether you're single, married, divorced, whatever you believe about God, we're going to jump into this. And I want us to look at some words that Jesus spoke about marriage. These are in the first book of the New Testament of the Bible, the book of Matthew. So there are four books, the beginning of the New Testament that give us the narrative, the story of Jesus' life, the biography of his life and ministry and teachings. And we're going to dig into some words that Jesus spoke about marriage. But first, I want you to notice how this chapter in Matthew begins. When Jesus had finished saying these things, you say, well, what things? If you look at the chapter before this, Jesus spends a lot of time talking about relationships of all kinds, not romantic relationships, but our relationship with God and our relationships with the people around us, our relationships with people that we have power over. We've talked a little bit about that during this series. And when he finished talking about relationships, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Large crowds followed him there and he healed their sick. Now, if you are uh, in a place where you're, you would say, I don't know a lot about this 
Jesus guy, this is kind of new to me, I think this is a great way to be introduced to him. Because you see what kind of person he is. He's the kind of person that people love to follow when they get to know him a little bit. And he's the kind of person that as people follow him, he heals their lives. He changes their, their lives. Something happens in the life of someone who begins to follow Jesus closely that can only be attributed to the supernatural work of God. It's something that doesn't have a natural explanation. There's transformation and healing that take place. And that's important. And that's what Jesus is up to here. So he's doing his thing that he loves to do, where he's, he's attracting people to him through his character and his nature. They're following him. And then he's doing this work of healing in their lives. Everything's going fine until this happens. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason. Again, if you're new to the Bible, the Pharisees are religious leaders who have a lot of power in their society at the time, and they're kind of the opposite of Jesus, which means because of that, they don't like Jesus. In fact, they hate Jesus. Why? Because everything Jesus stands for, they're against, and everything they stand for, Jesus is against. Not everything, but most big things. And what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus wants to heal people's lives, the Pharisees want to make sure everybody toes the line. They want to keep people under their thumb. They want to keep kind of this oppressive atmosphere, like follow the law, follow the law. Jesus comes along and he says, no, I want to heal your life. He claims to be the son of God. They're not good with that. That's not cool for them. And then the people they look down on the most, non-religious people, are the people who seem to love Jesus the most and be most attracted to him. So the Pharisees come along and they ask him this question, and Matthew says it's a trap. Why is this question about divorce a trap? Well, opinion at the time is divided around divorce, much like it is today. That's, that hasn't changed a great deal. There are some people who think, you know what? Divorce should be avoided if at all possible. Other people think it's not really a big deal if it's not working out. Trade up, trade out, do what you need to do. That's kind of the culture of the time. So if Jesus answers this question and says, yes, it's okay for a man to divorce his wife for any reason, then he won't be conservative enough. And the Pharisees can hype that up and they can play that up. They can say, look, he's not the son of God. He's a liberal. No way this guy is who he says he is. He thinks people can div get divorced for any reason. He doesn't have any standards. He's not the guy. And if Jesus says, no, a man shouldn't divorce his wife for just any reason, then he won't be compassionate and culturally sensitive enough. And the Pharisees can say, you think we're strict. This guy is uber conservative. Don't follow him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, so everybody tracking with me? So it's a trap. No matter what he says in their minds, he's trapped. So watch Jesus answer. It's amazing. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied to the people who prided themselves on reading the Bible more than anyone else? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And nobody asked him about that. <laughs> they were like, can we, is it okay if people get divorced? Go ahead, answer, so we can get you on the record and take you out. And Jesus goes back. You ever had a, a favorite restaurant where you found a favorite dish on the menu? Maybe you've been going there from the time it opened, and you didn't even have to look at the menu anymore because you just knew this is my favorite dish, but then they changed the recipe. You ever had an experience like that? And you, I mean, it didn't make your favorite dish better. It made it worse, and you are struggling to keep your character right. 
in that moment because food matters. You're like, why would you mess with anybody? Why would you mess with the recipe? What is your problem? What do you have against me that you wouldn't mess with my recipe? Here's what Jesus does. He's asked this question, and at first, he points to the Bible. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? Now, if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you might have wondered, might have been another question for you. Why are Christians so obsessed with the Bible? What is that all about? Well, it's not just a book for us. It's God's word for us. That's what we believe. We believe the Bible is, is God's word to us. It's why we teach from it every weekend. It's why we talk about it in uh, what we call J groups here, small groups of people doing life together. We read it every day. We read the parts we like and the parts we don't, by the way. In fact, if you read the one-year Bible, I read the one-year Bible. Some of you are, are into this. If you're not, you should check it out. It's a great way to read the Bible through in a year. I read the one-year Bible. Right now, uh, the past few days, been, been in Leviticus, been talking about skin diseases. If I ever had been tempted to skip ahead, <laughs> it's over the past few days. But you know, I learned a long time ago in my relationship with God that the first question is not, does this matter to me? The first question is, does this matter to God? And if it's in his word, it matters to him. And because he matters to me, it matters to me. That's how I approach it. So Jesus says, haven't you read God's word? And he points to the Bible, but then he also points to the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of us. So he points back to the Bible. He says, he acknowledges and affirms, this is God's word, calls it the scriptures, says these are sacred writings, there's, there's power in them. And then he points to the beginning of humanity and he makes this statement that we are not just a random collection of cells that formed over time. He says we were made by God. He says in the beginning, God made human beings. In other words, God opened the restaurant, God decided the recipes, and when life doesn't taste the way God intended, it's often because we mess with the recipe. God says, here's the original recipe. And if you put the ingredients together in the right order, I promise you, it's not gonna be perfect. Everything's not gonna work out all right because there's brokenness and sin in the world. But if you'll just keep putting the ingredients in the recipe in the order that I've shown you, you have this ability to have this rich, abundant, satisfying life no matter what's going on around you. So Jesus goes back before religion, that's important, before politics, that's important, before social constructs, before America was formed, he goes back all the way to our beginning. And he says, this explains, God created us, male and female, this explains love. Explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. My marriage proposal to Susie was not very glamorous. Uh, Susie is my wife, if that was not already apparent from the story. Uh, this, was a, this was a successful proposal, spoiler alert. Uh, but it was not very glamorous, and it probably shouldn't have been successful. It was, there are no Insta-worthy photos of it. Uh, we were in her parents' living room. I did not plan this in advance. She just looked so beautiful. That night, I wasn't really ready to get married. I had, like, in my mind, there was a little bit more of an on-ramp. wanted to get financially, you know, some things in order. But she just, I, she looked so beautiful. And I said, uh, do you want to marry me? And she thought I was kidding. It was powerful. I mean, it was just a great, <laughs> epic moment. She's like, what? Now, I'm happy to report that our marriage has exceeded my proposal. 
Under promise, over deliver, that's my motto. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, I mean, if you're going to win at one, <laughs> I think, I, looking back, I'm doing okay. Almost 25 years. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Jesus gives us remarkable clarity here about the original recipe for romantic relationships. Now, he does not give us guidance about proposals, which I could have used. But he gives us remarkable clarity about the recipe. Watch this. Follow his train of thought. Listen. He says, there's a God. Now, if you don't believe that, you're not going to believe anything else he says. So I get it. If you're like, I'm not even sure there is a God. The rest of what he says isn't going to make much sense. So you can take a pass. But he says, there's a God. And for all of us who go, okay, we believe that. There is a God. He says, well, then track with me. There being a God led to there being an us. He created humanity. There's a God. He's not like a figurehead God who's like, oh, look, it's all happening. I had nothing to do with it. No, he created us. He made us. And because there's an us, there being an us sometimes leads to love. And love leads to leaving, leaving our family of origin, packing up the boxes in our parents' basement, leaving the Xbox behind. You know, it's like, <laughs> in a perfect world. <laughs> and leaving leads to joining, which is very clearly Jesus' way of describing marriage because it's where he introduces the word wife. So leaving leads to joining, and joining leads to Uniting, which is sexual intimacy. That's what that phrase, two uniting into one, speaks to. This total intimacy, belonging to each other. And all of that is intended to point us back to, watch this, God. God says, I'm going to give you the recipe. There's a God. Good? <laughs> if you're good, you need to know that you came from him. And if you came from him then when you fall in love with somebody, that came from him. In fact, I'm not so sure that he would use the phrase fall in love because that makes it sound like a ditch. If you decide I'm going to love this person, you need to know that came from God. So then he's going to give you the rest of the recipe. Leave your family of origin, join, get married, and then unite. <laughs> it's God's recipe. God says, I created you, male and female. I'm going to introduce you to each other. And if there's a spark and you're interested in the meal, I've given you the recipe. Here's what it looks like. And 100 years ago, all of us probably would have agreed. That's reality. It wouldn't even matter if we considered ourselves Christians or not. We would have said, yeah, I get it. That's, that's not only like what the Bible says, but that's kind of socially how you do it. And if we developed feelings for someone, we would date them or court them. And then we would get engaged, and we'd get married, and then we would have sex, maybe for the first time, on our wedding night. That's just kind of the way it went down. We even used to call marriage holy matrimony. It's like a thing. This is holy matrimony. There was a sense that when two people get married, God is involved, kind of like Jesus said he was. And it was, it was just kind of the way it was done. Now, if you're getting uncomfortable right now, you can relax. I'm not here to judge you. You do not answer to me. And uh, if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, there are bigger fish to fry. 
And that is for you to really experience who God is. But you might find this interesting because God gave us a recipe and we decided, oh, we like the ingredients. Love, commitment, sex, that's good stuff. But we don't need the recipe. So about 60 or 70 years ago, we started separating the ingredients from the recipe. It started with sex, probably because sex is the most fun ingredient. And it was called, now a lot of you, this would be new language, but some of you might remember this. It was called free love, which really just meant free sex. And the idea was, hey, we can have sex without getting married. Now, it's not like people hadn't done that before. But now it was, it was different. This was sex without any intention of getting married. So I'm going to have sex with you and I might never see you again. Or we might hang out for a few weeks and then move on to somebody else. And that was basically kind of a new concept. So sex, what Jesus described as two people uniting into one, was separated from the recipe. And now it's like two people unite into one and then ununite and I'll go unite with you and then I'll unite with you and we'll un- let's unite. Oh, let's ununite. And, and that's what we did. Now, most of us are not surprised by this. In fact, what we're surprised by is that anyone would even suggest that marriage is the place God designed for sex. I mean, what is this, 1950? <laughs> but for the most part, the other two ingredients, leaving and joining, stayed with the recipe. So most people, when they got serious about a romantic relationship, they might have had a lot of different sexual partners, but when they got serious about somebody, they tended to get engaged and get married, kind of go back to the recipe. Like, hey, we, we did this a little different. We took this ingredient out, but, but let's go back to the recipe. And they would combine addresses on the same day that they combined last names. And that was still kind of how it was done for the most part. But then we thought, you know what? If we could take sex outside the recipe, then why, why, don't, why don't we do the same with commitment? We can have long-term committed relationships without being married. I mean, why not? What is this, 1970? So people started living together. Not just having sex, but acting, well, married. But without the joining. Which is important because that's where Jesus said God shows up. I mean, think about that. If we're trying to have this relationship, this romantic relationship in our lives, without joining, then we're trying to have one of the most important parts of our lives succeed without God. I mean, just think about it. If what Jesus is saying is true, because Jesus says God shows up for the joining, you thought... But when you get married, it's you, a few friends, family members, maybe a pastor, a priest, justice of the peace. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you forgot somebody. Whether you put him on the guest list or not, he was there. And when you said, I do, God said, I do too. I'm, gonna, I'm joining this. It wasn't a marriage certificate that joined, it was God. That's what Jesus said. So now you, you fast forward and we get into this place where people are going, hey, we, we separated sex out. That seemed to work Okay. Uh, now let's separate commitment out. And people begin living together as a normal thing. Maybe some of you, that's, that's your story right now. And, and it was like, hey, this is, this is working. We don't have to join. But still, the leaving part, a part of that, starting a new branch on our family trees, that tended to stay with the recipe. So even when sex got separated out and, and uh, living together got separated out, it was still like, hey, if we're going to start a family... 
let's go back to the recipe until we thought, you know what? If we can have sex without marriage and live together without marriage, why can't we just do the family thing without marriage? I mean, do we really need to be married or stay married to raise kids, to have kids? What is this, 1990? And so now for the first time in American history, the majority of teenagers do not live in a home with two biological parents married to each other. First time in history. I'm not making a statement about that. I'm just telling you that's how it is. It's not like marriage isn't cool anymore. It's just kind of optional now, right? It's like, well, if it works for you, it works for you, but we can have great sex, great committed relationships, and great well-adjusted families without marriage, right? Well, that's a great question. It's an important question. Does this work as well as we think it does? Are our sex lives better because we remove the marriage thing? Does living together without getting married set up healthier long-term relationships that tend to succeed for the long haul? And are the families we're forming and the kids we're raising mentally and emotionally more resilient and better able to have healthy relationships of their own when they grow up without respect for the recipe? To be really blunt, Here's the question. Who's right about what kind of romantic relationship works best long-term? God or us? It's really the question at the end of the day. Jesus says, here's a recipe. We've said, nah. I mean, we like the ingredients. <laughs> Thank you for creating those. <laughs> we'll just kind of put them together any way we can think of and hope we end up with the same meal. So the question is, whatever you believe about God, church, Bible, Jesus, any of that, does it work? I mean, that's probably your most important question, really, at the end of the day. Does it work? Well, thankfully, we don't have to wonder. We now have half a century's worth of research. And here are the headlines. And I've got an hour's worth of additional headlines, but ain't nobody got time for that but they are in a document somewhere. <laughs> Here they are, I just wanna give you some headlines. Research shows, let me give you this first. All of God's ingredients are needed to get the romantic recipe right. Research shows married people have better sex lives than people who live together. Man, it's quiet in here. Does anybody notice a little bit quiet? It's a little bit. In Hokessin, it's rambunctious. I mean, it's like, it's a little quiet here in Newark. By the way, research also shows, throw this one in for free, research also shows that married couples who attend church regularly together have more sex and enjoy it more than couples who do not. Turn to your spouse and tell them, honey, we're coming back here every weekend for the rest of our lives. I've never felt so close to God as I do at this moment. This is it. Ah. Research shows having sex before marriage and or living together both generally have negative impacts on the quality and stability of marriage. Not the Bible. Not Christian research. Science. Science says... If we live together, cohabitate before getting married, 
we have a much higher likelihood of getting divorced if we get married later. Whether we marry the person we lived with or someone else, our risk of divorce is significantly higher. That's important because what we're told is, oh, no, no, living together prepares you for marriage. Apparently, the science says it doesn't. Research shows children who have two continually married parents are twice as likely to be active in church as adults. Even if those two married parents don't go to church, there's something about it. Now, here's what some of us are thinking. We're thinking, man, that's, I just don't. Some of us are going, I'm 0 for 3. Some of us are going, man, this is hard. I'm a, I'm a single parent, or I'm living together right now, or I'm divorced, or, man, I have not followed the recipe. Can I tell you something amazing about Jesus? He only wants two things for you, that you would follow him so he can heal your life. He's a from this day forward God. All the research does is tell you what you did wrong. Jesus says, come and follow me and I'll heal every part of your life. I'll reshape your story. I'll give you what you're really searching for. So the research, not the Bible, the science shows repeatedly and consistently that when we, for the past 60 or 70 years, we've systematically pulled those three ingredients out of the recipe, leaving, joining, uniting, and now our romantic relationships just don't taste the same. Why? Because all of God's ingredients are needed to get the romance recipe right. So, if you're interested at all in these words of Jesus, even if they kind of rub you the wrong way, which I'm sure for some of us they are right now. And again, you don't answer to me. I'm not your judge. But if these words of Jesus are kind of messing with you, the question is, what do you do about it? Well, if you don't know Jesus yet, whether you're single, married, divorced, widowed, living with someone, or getting carpal tunnel from swiping on Tinder, get to know Jesus. I don't care what your story is. You say, well, I'm not the kind of person Jesus would want to hang out with. I beg to differ. In fact, you know, the crazy thing about him is the messier your story is, the greater his grace becomes. <laughs> you should get to know Jesus. Because when you get to know Jesus, he has so much to show you about life with him. He has so much to show you about how to be the kind of man he's called you to be, how to be the kind of woman he's called you to be. He has so much to show you. So my encouragement to you is just come back next weekend. You've kept an open mind to the culture, right? What if you got an open mind toward Jesus and you let him speak words of life into you? He can change your life. He can change your relationships. And then if you're feeling uncomfortable because you believe in Jesus and you believe what he said about the recipe and you're trying to live it out, but your parents were divorced or you're not married, but you're not a virgin either, or you weren't a virgin when you got married, or you just went through divorce and yourself and you're feeling exhausted and alone. Listen to me, your story matters to God because you matter to God. And Jesus only wants two things for your life. He's only ever wanted two things. In fact, you live in a world that constantly is pressing in on you and demanding so much. Jesus says, I only want two things. I just want you to follow me. And the only reason I want you to follow me is so I can heal your life. Your story matters to God. And when you follow him, you find out he's a giver of second chances. 
If you're a follower of Jesus and you're single or divorced and sometimes you feel like you don't quite fit or you're a second-class citizen because you're not married or not in a relationship, nothing could be further from the truth. You don't have to be married. Jesus, who spoke these words, was not married. (laughs) You don't have to be married. Romantic relationships are optional. What's not optional is healthy non-romantic relationships. Get in a group. Pursue your purpose. Serve on the J team. Make a difference in the lives of other people. A romantic relationship may or may not be in your future, but God has purpose for you right now. So don't wait. Don't put your life on hold. You don't need somebody on this planet to complete you. Jesus completes you. You are whole in him, and you can make a difference right where you are right now. And then if you're a follower of Jesus and you're married, be reminded today, God joined you together. You say, well, it feels like if he joined us together, he left right afterward. I know it can feel that way at times because we live in a broken world and you're a broken person and your spouse is a broken person. But I will tell you this, that God who joined you together is highly motivated to be involved in the process of keeping you together. And if you'll invite him into that, pray for your spouse. If they'll let you pray with your spouse, engage your faith, get around other believers, find a way to serve. Why? Because you'll learn when it comes to money, sex, power, everything else. You'll begin to learn how to offer the faithful, forgiving love of Jesus to your spouse because what God has joined together. He's passionate about keeping together, if at all possible, And then finally, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're currently trying to enjoy the ingredients without the recipe, what will it take for you to finally trust God and obey his word? What will it take? Remember what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to follow him fully so he can heal your life, which means it might be time to say, I do, or it might be time to say, I don't and move out. Or it might be time to say, I won't, until we bring this relationship into alignment with God. You say, why would I do that? Because you believe in Jesus. Isn't that enough? Would you really trust him with your eternity and not trust him with your now? If you believe he's leader and Lord of your life, then open your life up to the recipe. And if you would say today, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you would say, whatever your relationship status, I want to honor the recipe. I need the strength of God in my life to honor the recipe. We just shoot your hands up all over the room here in Newark, Hocus, and hold it up high online. Right where you are, you can do this. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to you today, our God who created us. And God, right now, I pray over us. I pray over every person listening to my voice right now who has wounds in their life from relationships, maybe even very present ones. God, whether they're self-inflicted or others inflicted, God, I pray right now that you would speak life into us. I pray that you would whisper to anyone who's feeling the sting of shame, which comes from the enemy. I pray that you would speak to us right now and remind us you only want to heal our lives. You did not come to accuse or condemn. You came to heal. God, help us to offer our lives and our stories to you right now. I pray over every one of us who is 
trying to, to keep our purity in a culture that has lost all sense of moral compass. God, I pray that we would not become angry or vindictive. We would just keep our eyes on you, Jesus, and we would continue to follow you. And when we fall down, we would get back up by your grace and we would recommit ourselves to you and make you leader and Lord of every part of our lives. I pray over every person who's married right now, God, that we would go back into our marriages with this understanding that there is a, before marriage was a religious thing, before it was a political thing, it's a spiritual thing. That God, you joined us together and you want to be involved in our marriages. God, bring healing and hope to our marriages, I pray. And God, we pray that as we live for you, Jesus, as we follow you, the world would look and see reflected in us imperfectly but consistently. Would see your story, would see your power, would see your healing, would see your hope. And we ask it by faith in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise. Amen. Amen. I want to take a moment more and just speak to any of us today who you don't yet know Jesus personally. He only wants two things for your life. He wants you to follow him so he can heal you, so he can transform your life. And marriage is an optional earthly picture. Not all of us have to be married. It's God's recipe for when we fall in love, but not all of us do that. It's an earthly picture of something much more important. It's a picture of the relationship that God wants to have with you. In fact, you may have never thought of it before, but Jesus left heaven. He joins to you when you believe in him, and then he unites you into relationship with your creator. That's the picture. It's what God's always wanted for your life. And if you don't yet know Jesus for yourself, in this moment, this is your opportunity. So I'm gonna lead us in prayer again. I want everybody just to open your heart up to God. And if that's you, if you wanna begin a relationship with God, right where you are, whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. Jesus, today, I believe in you. I give my life to you. I believe you died for my sins. And I believe that through you, I can have real life. Save me today. And if that's you, well, everyone around you stays focused on God, if you would say, I want to be included in that prayer, will you lift your hand? Just hold it up high all over the room. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's awesome. And Hokesson, hold it up high. If you're online right now, type it in the comments. Type the word faith. Let us know. And then everybody, will you help me? Come on, let's give Jesus all the praise, all the thanks.